Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Yes, keep breathing. That's very important. <laughs> From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver, at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, at thecaregiverspace.org, coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 21 global audio and video platforms, including, I'm sorry, I've got to name them, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, HealthyLife.net. Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Mixcloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, TuneIn.com, Facebook Live, Owl's Tale, U-Book, CastBook, CastBox, sorry about that, and of course, CaregiverDave.com, and we are so proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, as well as one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, as well as number three podcast out of thousands on Caregiver Podcasts on Feedspot. And we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Of course we do. That's her big line. She never messes <laughs> up. <laughs> today we have Reverend Patricia Caganello. I should have asked how to pronounce that, but I think I did a pretty good job. And she is CEO and founder of Sacred Stories Media, a conscious online media network and as an ordained interfaith, interspiritual minister, Patricia believes every story is a sacred story. She's ordained from One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in New York. But before we get started, I want to thank last week's guest, Anne Weisbrod, Director of Social Services at the Hebrew Home at Riverdale, who has over 30 years' experience as a social worker. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 21 global platforms that I mentioned earlier, like iHeartRadio, YouTube, and iTunes, etc. All right, enough of that. Welcome to the show, Reverend Patricia. I'll just call you Patricia, if that's okay. And I'm so excited that's to have perfect. you on. Why don't you take yeah. a minute and introduce yourself? I'd like to ask guests, just who is Patricia Caganello, and why were you put on this earth? That? Well, that is quite the intro <laughs> question. Um, thank you so much. No, I'm just so delighted to be here. This is kind of our first conversation, and yeah. and I already lo I love both of you guys already. This is uh, no, it's good. It's just a great energy, and and I'm just so delighted. So yeah, thanks so you much for having us me. Also. <laughs> <laughs> I um so yeah so I'm an ordained interfaith interspiritual minister. Uh, Sacred Stories Media is my online media company, but what that contains is Sacred Stories Publishing. And Sacred the reason and the, why I'm excited to talk today, among all the other reasons, is because we have a really amazing book out that is actually fascinating that people have already started saying to us, this is such a great book for people who are going through difficult times, people who are caring for people going through difficult times. Um, the book is called Chaos to Clarity. So why am I on this earth? I guess short 
at 58, what I've come to the conclusion today that I can share with you is I believe that I'm a, a truly a sacred storyteller and I'm here to share stories, help others share stories mm -hmm. to hopefully bring a, a more of a consciousness to our actions and to our, uh, to our world. Yes, is that so an that. Italian name you have? Caginello, yes, it is Italian. Absolutely. I can I can tell Italians. <laughs> I'm almost Italian. I'm Syrian. <laughs> In New York, Very everybody close. has their own neighborhood. You know, there was a Syrian neighborhood, Very Italian close. neighborhood, the Jewish neighborhood. And uh, why don't you tell us a couple of uh, your stories? Let's start out with uh, some of the people in chaos who focused on others in need so that caregivers can find their own clarity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so Cast of Clarity is actually a book that shares stories. We kind of put a call out to people to say, send us your stories of significant change. It's always said, hero and heroine's journey, tell us what happened, tell us the journey, and tell us a positive outcome or perspective. And we received uh, what we included was stories from 30 people from around the world, um, as far away as Japan, South Africa, quite a few from Europe, Canada, United States, and who shared their stories. And the stories range from um, abuse, addiction, um, uh, abduction of children, loss of children, loss of love, finding love, um, battling life-threatening illnesses, um, and winning losing parents, pretty much the human experience. You know, what we really found when we collected all of these stories was we, we felt that we had really found the, um, the heart of what we call our shared humanity and these experiences. And so some of the bigger stories that are bigger, that are kind of related to the caregivers um, and that I think can help the caregivers were the ones when the people were really dealing with um, aging parents, um, uh, a, a addictive relationships, um, even a relationship where a, a woman, she says she sold her soul for a wedding band. You know, the day she was married, she was um, looking into the eyes of her of her uh, groom, and she saw he was he was high as a kite. And she knew then she should have ran, and she wouldn't. She was afraid to leave the church, because she was looking around and she didn't want to disappoint anyone. She didn't want to disappoint her father and her former mother-in-law. former mother -in -law. And, she, and she got married. She said, she said, I do, and her heart just fell to the ground, and, and it went downhill from there. And it took years, and um, his drug and alcohol um, addiction turned into physical, emotional, mental abuse. Uh, her child was affected, and it wasn't until she was able to find support through Al-Anon and, and really find the courage to finally leave the relationship to save herself and her child, uh, could she break through, but it took years. It took when she said that she she finally realized that there was, that she, that her life could not be without consequence. It was, it was, everything was inconsequential that had to do with her to that point. And she realized she had to have value. There had to be a reason she was there. Um, and that's how she reached out. She found support from other other people who were going through similar situations, which I think is, the, mm. is a caregiver's journey. And she was able to kind of um, break free so, free. so we have stories that kind of run the gamut, but, but that's um, one of the powerful ones, I think, too. Wow. Interesting that she had her eyes wide open at 
the altar, <clears throat> and they still had a child. Yes. Well, it is wow. because, right. Well, it's very interesting, right? Well, she, she did. She had her eyes wide open and I don't know that she really, I think she was afraid. I think she was afraid of what yeah. will people think, yeah. what will happen sure. and, and, and did it in spite of, you know, herself. And, sure. and she had, she suffered for years, years. Oof. Yeah. The moving wow. story. Mm -hmm. So you said you're you're based in New York, uh, one spirit in interface the seminary area. in New York. Oh, that's where you went to seminary. That's where I went to seminary. One spirit. Okay. It's an interfaith, interspiritual uh, seminary school. So it was a two-year program, and and that was actually part of my journey. You know, when I mm -hmm. turned fifty, really. You know, everyone has their life events, right? And um, I had a life event that kind of turned me around. Uh, upside down, universe shook me by my shoulders, and and I made a lot of major life changes. And one of them was I and I was seeking deeper answers. You know, I think what happens, I mean, that many people can relate to, is we have these significant events in our life. I mean, that's why I think mm -hmm. the book Chaos to Clarity is so powerful, because you know, life happens, change happens, and. Mm -hmm. um, and I even write in the spirituality of change in the book. And, and what I've learned through my process is that for me, the spirituality of change is really, you know, when we get our attention, when the universe gets our attention, when we feel emotion deeply enough, something stops us in our tracks. You mm -hmm. know, that could be a, an illness. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be an abusive relationship. It could be all of these kind of things that we can't just kind of do life any longer. It has our attention. And then we have an opportunity to make a choice. And we have choices. And for me and for a lot of people, what seems to be happening is, you know, we're seeking those deeper answers. And that's really more of a, a, um, a spiritual opening to a, to a great degree, right? Um, it was for me. And that sent me to seminary to kind of say, what the mm. heck's happening? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I can understand this. Yes. Yeah. What, uh, as a minister, what mm -hmm. are your duties? I mean, is that the right word? What do you do as a minister? What is your job description? Let me put it that way. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a congregational. <laughs> she is. She is. Job description. <laughs> Well, everybody well, right? has a job description, I, I think that's right? life. Um, you know, <laughs> well, I'm not a congregational minister. Actually, some of my seminary, seminary brothers and sisters are congregational ministers. Some uh -huh. have gone into counseling. Um, for me, it is it is really about, it was a period of study that I wanted to do because, again, I mean, I'm, I was raised, you know, you mentioned being Italian. You know, I'm a, that good Italian girl uh -huh. from the Northeast, raised Roman Catholic, and always had a very deep faith. But when life kind of hit me upside my head and, like I said, spun me around, I found that I, I really needed deeper answers, that my faith didn't have enough of the answers for me in the sense of it was really about my sense of self-worth, my value, yeah. you know, um, understanding why the pain felt so so deep and mm. and so i for me it's about it was about it was seeking answers and so seminary was i wanted to kind of i'm a student i'm always a student mm. so i um 
I found that looking for deeper spiritual answers was the place that I wanted to start. So for me, seminary has always been about study. And I've kind of taken my ministry, the way my ministry has evolved, has been, I mean, I've married people and I've done some of those traditional roles. But it's really about the... Um, it turned into the publishing of books. It turned into, actually, I have my own podcast and so forth, too. It turned into actually sharing what I believe are, are um, important uh, teaching stories, people with the world, you know, helping people tell uh -huh. their stories in, in a conscious way. So my duties that I've written, my own, uh, my own duties, is mm -hmm. basically that. It's holding a higher consciousness and bringing a higher consciousness, um, um, a very expansive, you know, many paths lead to the mountaintop. Um, yeah. Uh, and opportunities for others to share as well. All right. Mm -hmm. Can I open so my that, book? That, that is now on Dave's, the caregiver of caregiver now, so you can, you can go ahead and Perfect. Uh, share that Perfect, now. yes. What were you going to say about your book? Mm -hmm. I wanted to hold it up because this is um, oh, nice Chaos of Clarity, Sacred, thank you, Sacred Stories of Transformational Change. Uh, um, butterfly. This is, it is, it was transformation, transformation. And, and actually, <laughs> well, Dr. Bernie Siegel, um, you may be familiar with these. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a he. He's written the foreword. He actually wrote like a fourteen-page foreword. He had a lot to say <laughs> on game and change. Um, yeah, he's like, who writes a fourteen-page foreword? But there's a lot to say, right? Um, <laughs> this, like, this is you know an example of what I would say my ministry is is bringing you know opportunities mm. to bring you know the sacred stories, bring mm. inspiration, hope. Um, connection. This is a, this book is a book of connection and a book of inspiration. And so for me, that's how my ministry is, um, has unfolded is, is in that, that way. That's cool. So, um, let's get into some of those, uh, stories. Uh, why don't mm -hmm. you, um, come up with, uh, uh, one of your most inspirational stories that you have, uh, come across as a minister. Absolutely. Well, I'll share I'll share a couple, you know, more from the book because I think yes. these are just incredible. Yes. So we shared the story of the woman who was in the abusive relationship. We also mm -hmm. have a story in here of um, a, a few different people who was battling a life threatening illness. You know, we have a couple women, one of the women uh, her story is called Two Words, and her two words was mm. speculated margins. And speculated margins mm. was, um, I guess what they said was her form of breast cancer. And this mm. woman, she lost her mother when she was a teenager to breast cancer. And so she pretty much lived her whole life afraid, in fear yeah. of hearing those words, you know, and they really right. kind of overshadowed her world um, mm. until she was in her... Mm. Uh, turning 50, and she heard the words, the two words, mm. speculated margins, and she was, you know, she actually was diagnosed around this, at the same time that her mother died, the age that her mother had died, she was mm. diagnosed. Oh, wow. um, but what she goes on to say, I mean, she fought the breast cancer battle, right, and, mm. and she survived, and she said that her worst fear actually liberated her because mm. what she was fearing most 
finally happened, you know, and um, mm-hmm. not that she was happy it happened, but it, it kind of took that specter of, <clears throat> of fear away from her life and her whole life opened up after that. Like she's not afraid of anything any longer because she's like, my mm-hmm. biggest fear happened and I survived. And her yeah. story is, is one of, of inspiration. Um, another woman, again, battling breast cancer. Um, she writes, you know, hers is really funny because she talks about dating after cancer and she talks about the squirrel she'd wear on her head and she talks about, um, you know, being in the online dating world and, and having to share that you're a breast cancer survivor because he wants to know why her hair's so short, you know, and, and all of those kind of the journey of kind of reclaiming uh her own sense of self and keeping her humor through it. She actually wrote a book called Get Your Rack Back and she started her own foundation. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, it is. I and mean, she's phenomenal. She started her own foundation, Get Your Get Your Rack Back, and she has been um, helping not only cancer survivors, but families of cancer survivors and their mm-hmm. caregivers and stuff for a number of years supporting them yeah. Um, yeah. because she knows, you know, what's happened. And I think that's a really important part. I mean, that's something that's happened in this, that we realize that's happened in this book um, is that so many of the people, when they were having their most difficult challenges, in addition to moving through, you know, they, they survived mainly because they reached out and connected with someone, right? Whether it was a caregiver mm. or another, another individual. But then they went on to help others. Many people in this book have started their own foundations. Uh, mm. One of the women, she lost her uh, lost her husband in a car accident unexpectedly, and she talked about how she considered um, suicide for like two years. I mean, she the only reason she didn't commit suicide, she was that devastated, was because she had two young daughters she was raising. Um, mm. But she, but she went on. She actually started her own internet radio network. She has a very large mm. radio network now, and and she goes on to help others. and And all of her shows are inspirational shows, and and in support of, you know, helping others through their their um, difficult times. And I think that's why, you know, this book is so special, um, not only to me, but we're getting such phenomenal feedback on it, is because that's really the energy in this book. You know, it's not, it's not life sucks and then you die. You know, it's like, wow, <laughs> like life, you know, life happens, change yeah, life happens. happens. Mm-hmm. Right happens, and and there's some really big things that happen, but but this is like an outstretched hand. This is like you know, there's there's help out there, there's support, and and even yeah. if it's just in the reading of another person's story, to know that you're not alone, to know that somebody else has gone through it and and was able to get through it, can help people get through it as well. Yeah, on your first story there. Uh my mind went to the book of Job in the Bible where his famous line is, oh my gosh, what I have feared has come upon me, you know. But <laughs> during Job's trials and his uh, hellish mm-hmm. experience, he was rewarded with, you know, a new family and riches again and this and that. So yeah, uh, I can certainly speak to that as well. I lost my life savings in the 2008 meltdown and now i'm in better shape than i was before that god has Mm -hmm. a way of just rebuilding and then uh you mentioned something about uh, the breast cancer and dating and i know it's very very difficult for women to do that again because you know 
so much of the world's identity of a woman are their breasts and you take mm -hmm. that away and you better have a good self-image you know and not right. uh, not be uh, good sense of humor right yeah good mm -hmm. sense of humor now you're a flat-chested uh, girl like you used to be and many women have to embrace that and accept that new normal before they can well, go out and do things like that like dating and what have you yeah, well, it's interesting. Just a couple points on that. So it's interesting because I know actually one of my cousins just has gone through breast cancer, and mm -hmm. I think it's a new. There's a new um, in, in, law that they have to perform reconstructive surgery if you have to have, and whether you can afford it or not. So, so I think that's a good thing. If you know the women, yeah. not that it's not traumatic, mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting in the book uh, Chaos to Clarity, there's a male breast cancer story as well. There's a woman really? whose teenage son was diagnosed with breast cancer, and through his, he got the news driving in his car, a very insensitive doctor was like, oh yeah, by the way, you have breast cancer, you're going to have to have a mastectomy, Here's, you know, and uh, he's like, what? And um, he survived, he did survive, he was very lucky, but it went on undiagnosed for years. He was showing since his high school physical, he was showing a lump he had in his breast, and everyone was like, oh, you're just growing, you're just growing, you're just growing. It started having discharge when he was when he was getting out of college. So we're talking five years of this young man going, yeah, you know, it's like something, and nobody was picking it up until finally somebody said, oh, well, you know, well, okay, let's run another chest because his mother pushed it. His mother's like, make them do something. This can't be normal. Um, they've started a male breast cancer coalition, and they have, because he said, mm. I don't want any other male to feel alone to get a breast cancer diagnosis and, and be alone. And, and they're really changing the conversation around breast cancer. You know, their, their tagline is male, you know, men have breasts too. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, and, and they're saving mm -hmm. lives, you know, they're saving lives. And, um, and that's another example of, you know, real chaos, right? Real chaos and moving through it and, and saying, uh, you know, what can I do to help others? So, you know, I mean, yeah. this happened to me <clears throat> and others helped me. Now, how can I help others? And um, um, and they're doing some really phenomenal work cool. as well. Well, we're going to take a break, and then I want to talk about that point when we get back. Uh, but in the meantime, if you haven't gone to uh, Facebook already, you can do that. Mm -hmm. But we'll be right back, so don't go away. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author, who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world 
turned upside down. I got to tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. Yeah. And we're back with Patricia Caginello. Did I say that right? <laughs> Um, kind of, yes. Caginello, yes, that's a little, yeah, a little more, a little bit more of a pop to it, right? Yeah, I didn't so, have much uh, confidence in my voice, but the second time, <laughs> yeah. um, absolutely. I have a friend who who just had a, a double mastectomy because uh, the cancer was only in one breast, but she had heard she did a lot of research. She found that the odds are that it could travel to the other breasts even if they get it all, mm -hmm. and that your your risk was twice as uh, great in getting it back if you had breast implants. So she elected not to have the implants because she did not want to go through this again. Have you heard any of that? So it's interesting. That's pretty much my cousin's story oh. that just had that just mm -hmm. uh, had breast cancer, and she had had breast implants, and but they weren't the kind that was supposed to be the bad ones. Um, mm. She had it in one. She had a double mastectomy. And speaking of the caregiver, so it's really mm. interesting because her husband, who you know is was used to be afraid of needles, was very quickly <laughs> responsible for you know, giving her, her her medication and helping her with mm -hmm. her drains and all of her bandages and, you know, and she had to go for a second series of, of, um, of um, surgery, you know, for the reconstruction. But I, I think it's really fascinating because from a caregiver perspective, you know, I don't think we're really prepared for it. I mean, you know, maybe if our parents are aging and, and we're kind of working up to it or it's a slower process, but in today's world, there's so many situations mm -hmm. where many people exactly. are just thrown into a caregiver mm -hmm. situation and it's mm -hmm. like, oh my God, what do I do? And so my cousin is, you know, same. So he's a, you know, 60 something year old male and you know he's used to running corporations you know he uh, you know he's not good with the one in one and and it's just him and him uh. and his um you know his wife and and um but he you know he had to step up and he had to figure it out and and you know it was um it was a lot it was a lot on on him as well and in addition to her of course but um i don't think we think about that you know now, I think one of the, the things that really needs to be addressed is when someone's discharged from the hospital, the caregiver is who has been thrown into a situation is so frequently neglected and totally unprepared for what they're going mm -hmm. to have to do. And yeah. I just think that's something that really needs to be addressed. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. agree. I mean, I, I, would, I was calling my cousin like... How are you? Are you like, are you okay? And he's mm -hmm. like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just doing, I'm doing the best I can. He's like, I have to do it. You know, I just have right. to do it. So, um, and he did, but I, I could understand that because I, 
I'm pretty squeamish with a lot of those things too, you know, the sight of blood or anything at all. Mm. That's not where, you know, my father was very sick for a long time and my mother was his caregiver and my, my sister would assist my mother. And I'd always say, you know, I'm good. I'm, I honestly, I mean, I know my strengths and that's not one of them. And, um, um, I, I can't imagine, honestly, I just, I couldn't imagine if I was, the one that was hands-on, you know, as a caregiver. The Well, you know the, what, um, you, you do what you have to do, and sometimes when yeah. you can't even imagine doing it, you know, if there's nobody else, you just you step up to the bat and you do it, and somehow God helps you, and, and you say, wow, I, uh, this isn't me. This is, I'm getting help from somewhere, and that's such a mm-hmm. common, common story, you know. So... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Obviously, what you're telling us is that when change happens, it's it's not just bad; it can it can turn into good, and I, that's the Bible again. You know, all things work together <laughs> for good. Why don't you tell us uh, why do you think that is the case? Why why is it that change, uh, you know, not is not actually uh, bad, but it actually can be good for you, especially if you're caring for a loved one. What is it about the whole process of change that makes somebody uh, able to turn it around, you know? Yeah. When there is no hope. When there's no, I know, right? Isn't that crazy? Well, I think the thing with change, I think the first thing with change, which makes it a good thing, is that it, it gets our attention, right? You know, a lot of times we just kind of do life, don't we? We do life, everything's fine, you know, we're kind of doing our thing. Um, And how many people say, due to a a situation or a crisis or an illness or something, did they actually start showing up very differently, valuing life, valuing their relationships? Um, You know, I mean, not that I would say that we should wish an illness on anyone, but how many times do you hear somebody say that was the best thing that ever happened to me? Because it, it just kind of gets up your, call, you know, the wake yeah, up call and it gets your attention, right? It gets your attention. It stops you Absolutely. from just doing life and it, like and it, and it forces you right, <laughs> right up, right upside your head. Uh, right. But it, that's what happened to me. <laughs> Yeah, same thing. You know, I was like, whoa, I have to pay attention because the emotion, right? When the emotion is great enough, um, it, it makes, it forces you to pay attention. And then you have your choices. You have the ability to say, how do I show up? And to your point, Dave, sometimes you just say, you know, I, 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 don't know how I did it, but I was able to do it because you're so present. You know, everyone talks so much about the power of presence, you know, the power of now. I mean, that's a, so yeah. obviously a best-selling book. And I think that's why change, I think, because when it can bring you to the present moment, that's why they say it's so interesting. Like the people who are like adrenaline junkies, you know, <laughs> like why do they do that? Well, they do it because it forces them in the moment. It forces them to be present. And you're never more alive than when you're present. And there's a real, you know, there's a real gift in that. Um, so change in that way I think is really good because it, it does it does that I think the other thing though that what I've learned in my in my process and and part of even what's coming out of the book and I actually write about it in the book and I actually learned this from my dad um, is it's also the perception of change right like how we show up so many times we could perceive things that obviously take illness out of it or something like for me, it was an unexpected divorce, life change, you know, it was a relationship change and those can be 
I think, to be quite honest, I think sometimes divorce can be more devastating than some other things besides, because in addition to the loss, you know, there could be a sense of betrayal and many other things that are also embedded in there emotionally. Um, but it's a perception of change. So like my father used to always say, what's the, what's the plan, Stan? Right. So, um, right. Right. And I mean, so I would always say to my kids, you know, I'll text it to them or do something like, what's the plan, Stan? Because it's kind of a lighthearted way instead of saying, where are you? What are you doing? What time will you be home? What do you know? And all these questions. And it just kind of lets you show up a little bit differently, lets you look at the situation a little bit differently. So, so even in my situation, you know, few years ago, you know, I took the proverbial leap off the cliff, left my career, joined seminary, didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I just knew I had to do things differently because life as it was, was different and it wasn't working anymore. And I said to myself, you know, I finally asked that question, um, what am I going to do the rest of my life and how am I going to support myself? Because now, you know, I left my career. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> And I have two, two kids staring down college, right? So I'm, you know, as a parent, you're a caregiver in a lot of ways, right? You know, you're caring for your children. And, um, and I was like, oh, my God, like, what the hell did I just say? And why did I ask it like that? Like, what was embedded in that was so much fear, so much of um, that somehow I was going to be worse off than I was, right? That it was that, that, it, that whatever change I was experiencing was going to, uh, you know, um, somehow diminish my quality of life or something like that. And, and isn't that very true? A lot of times when we're experiencing things, we... We look at it from a perspective of somehow we're losing something instead of, uh, you know, that we could be better off or we could be gaining something. So I offer uh, that a lot of that is embedded in how we ask the question, how we perceive the change. So if I wanted to say, you know, how, what am I going to do with the rest of my life and how am I going to support myself? More than likely, I'm going to have a fear-based answer that's going to not feel very good, right? But if I could say kind of like, what's the plan, Stan? You know, honestly, I'm not kidding. You know, and that's what I did. Like, what's the plan, Stan? I mean, take the pressure off, right? Let's just back it up a little bit and let's not assume it's going to be worse. Let's allow ourselves a little space. And to your point, Dave, and kind of see how, you know, God or the universe, however we define it, wants to step in and give us a hand and, and how we can, you know, co-create something even better than where we currently are. All right. Well, let me ask you, what's the plan, Stan? What are the top three <laughs> ways that caregivers can successfully navigate unwanted or unexpected change? Because <laughs> with mm. a caregiver, all change is unexpected and un unwanted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, the first thing would be what we've been talking about. It really would be to look for support. Right. You know, to to ask for support, not to try to just do it by yourself. You know, um, I know for me in my situation, when I realized that others were experiencing things similar to me, when I realized that I wasn't alone in in what I was going through, I could breathe again. You know, it just kind of puts a whole different perspective on it. So I'd say, number one, to your point, Adrian, uh, you know, caregivers, you know, give our, give yourself the oxygen mask first, right? You have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anyone else, right? And regardless of, I think, the situation. Um, so even if we have to do it, you know, we might not have to do it alone, right? Um, I would say that, that would be the first thing. The second thing would be, 
the same thing, you know, the perception of the change or the perception of the situation, and, and I'm not suggesting that every situation is rainbows and unicorns, you know, even in our book, I mean, we have people that had their children die. We had people that had their children abducted. We had parents, people who lost their parents. I mean, there's some really very real things that happen that you, you don't want to happen, right? But but in their perception of moving through it and in opening up what they received in perspective and love and experiences that have come through, it's not that they're going to turn around and say, well, I, you know, I still wish that necessarily happened, but they can look back and they see so many of the gifts and many of those gifts have come from um, connections and people and experiences that they may nev have never have had you know, without having to go through the change. Yeah. I mean, right. I also think a big part of it um, for me was acceptance um, mm -hmm. and how, okay, this is what is, now how do mm -hmm. I make the best of it? Oh. I can't change this, I can't change the diagnosis, that diagnosis is there. So, do you know, mm -hmm. finding the best doctors and uh, or, or finding a new job or changing your career, whatever it is in, in whichever mm. situation. Because I was divorced too and then I was widowed, you know, caregiving all sorts of situations in the relationship, uh, not just the cancer. But I accepted it. This is what is for now and this is how I'm going to handle it. Mm -hmm. It's in those moments too, right? Isn't it, Adrian? It's in those moments that there's so much life in in moments in the presence yes. that that you're living. You know, I mean, it's I you know I I just speak about my dad again. My I mean, he suffered mm. greatly for years, and my mother was his main caregiver. But there were moments in there, uh, among everything else that was happening, that their love and their connection was so strong and so powerful and so where where they wouldn't even trade what was happening because of mm. what was coming coming from that that deeper deeper connection. You know, when you talk about you know sometimes you just have to show up and do it, but there's such a power and such a presence in that, and that's a gift. I mean, there's a gift in that as well. Um, so I think the third thing that I would say in answer to your question is is that it's being as present as possible for every moment that you know that you're in the situation of being the caregiver because there's some real life in there as well. I mean that that part of it also taught me a lot of my strengths that I didn't know I had, you know, mm -hmm. being, being mm -hmm. present and having to deal with the situation as it showed up. Mm -hmm. I was challenged and yes, it was life affirming. There Definitely. was a, uh, a dementia and Alzheimer's book written about moments. I think the title of it was Moments where, mm -hmm. you know, especially for a patient uh, with dementia and memory loss, uh, you have to celebrate those moments. You have to look for those moments. Sometimes you have to make yeah. those moments. Put on headphones, put on, uh, you know, music of their time, the 30s or the 40s, for example, and you'll see them come back or pull out a photo album and you'll see them laugh and giggle about the story behind that picture. Right. and. 
and they'll have a moment and you'll share with them and it may only last 30 seconds and then it's gone and but they're still feeling warm and fuzzy and and right. good because of that moment they don't even know why they're feeling good but but mm -hmm. the moment it never leaves them or it eventually leaves them but uh it stays with <laughs> them for a while well i think you know people say you can live lifetimes in moments you know what i mean yeah. i mean i think that's very mm. i think that's very true you know the songs it's true, though. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the quality, if you think about the quality of the moments, instead of doing life, right, and just turning around and going, where did my life go? And what did I do? And what was meaningful? You know, there's such a such a power and a meaning when you're in a in a caregiver situation, or you're in a situation where change is happening, and you have to, yeah. you have to show up and figure it out and, and, you know, hopefully move into a better place you know, yeah. through it. And if you do live in those moments, that's what makes memories. I mean, a song will come on the mm -hmm. radio and you'll have that moment mm -hmm. when you had that first kiss with your girlfriend when you were 13 years old or <laughs> 17 or whatever age you were. And uh, that was, those moments are permanently recorded in your subconscious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when mm -hmm. you get, when you're older, sometimes that's all you have is those memory moments, you know. It's interesting. I'll tell you. Well, there's a story in our book, um, and it was a woman, and it was eight years ago that she got the call that her daughter had died, and it was the first time she could tell the story. Um, her daughter was 38. You know, she was grown, but she wasn't expecting to get that call, and it was unexpected. No. And um, it was the first time that she's told her story. That she's written her story. She was able to because the the pain was so was so great, but. We all we have like pull out quotes from all the different stories and her pull out one of her pull out quotes from this was mind your moments because they become your memories. And mm -hmm. um and part of her story was because the death was unexpected, she wasn't minding her moments with her daughter. You know, she was right. they didn't they, they didn't live in the same town. She didn't feel that some of the phone conversations had gone well or she really had a lot of um uh, angst and regret and and right. worry about did I fully honor does she know how much I loved her does she know that I valued the phone calls does she know that even when I give her a hard time I appreciated you know her our conversations and our relationship when the daughter was was um, died unexpectedly she didn't have that opportunity you know to to go through the, even that process that I think you know right. caregivers if it's a situation where there's an illness there's a process to it right yes um, and her message was, I mean, he says, do I have regrets? She's like, I have volumes of regrets. And, and she had to live through the regrets. And her message is mind your moments because they become your memories. And so, so not that I'm suggesting that, you know, one thing, you know, wish anything on anybody, but I mean, I even have a friend who was saying her father died in a car accident on his way to work. And she always was like, I think it's worse. I think it's worse. I never got to say goodbye. I never had a moment. I never right. had anything with my dad that we could go through that process. So again, I'm not suggesting that caregivers, it's a, it's an easy ride or, or, uh, you know, that, that, that's maybe what your choice would be. But, it, but if you're in there, you know, there's lifetimes in those moments that you can now yeah. share. Well, we're going to take another break, so we will be right back, so please don't go away. 
Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life, and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today, or buy one for your special caregiver, on sale everywhere, and at caregiverscaregiver.com. And we're back with Patricia Cagellano and Adrian <laughs> Gruberg. So I've got three things left to ask you as we wind this down because time is going so fast here. Um, let's talk about your co-writer because uh, I, I didn't even know if she was going to be on the show. But uh, tell us who she is and how she contributes. Yeah, absolutely. So the co-author of the book is Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. And Kathleen's background is in psychology, right? So mine is in spirituality, hers in psych is, is in psychology. And um, she's an award-winning author. She's and her story is around her dreams, her mm. really her precognitive dreams. Um, <clears throat> one of the stories she shares actually is her breast cancer. She's a three-time breast cancer survivor and uh, not a caregiver, but a survivor. Um, and her dreams dreams diagnosed her breast cancer even after her mammogram was um, clean and all the tests mm. and the doctors are like you're fine she was having these very very vivid dreams actually like hooded so Franciscan monk dreams you know that mm. said we're pointing out <clears throat> and saying go back like no like you're not well and this has to be taken care of and it was a battle for her to get the attention um, and it came back three times I mean, she's, you know, now seems to be fine, but he came back three times. And even the second time, they're like, you're fine. And it was in the other breast. And they were like, you're fine. We told you we got it. Tests are clean. Go home. Like, you're just neurotic. Like, they were like telling her, like, you just, you know, you just have, um, there's, you're just worrying. And they were really trying to push her off. And she kept having these dreams that were like, no, like, go talk to them. And, and then they were like, oh, we can't believe what we found. And um, and three times, you know, it, it, it came back. Wow. And so her stories are around that. Yeah, it was very uh, – she actually co-wrote another book with Dr. Larry Burke called Dreams That Can Save Your Life. And it was mm. – and the, the book is um, a book of research and of stories of people whose dreams. And, um, and I think that, you know, it's interesting you brought up the Bible before. I mean, there's definitely precognitive dream stories in the Bible. I mean, I think that there's – Diff many different ways where we, how we are um, communicated with, how we receive messages, how we receive support, and even through, you know, even through our subconscious dreams, we do as well. So yeah. um, if Kat was on the show today, she would say, pay attention to your dreams, you know, that yeah. is a, a doorway, a doorway to the divine. 
That's why my friend chose to have her second breast removed when it didn't have any cancer mm-hmm. in it, and why she chose not to have any implants. She just right. did not want to do this again, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to maximize yeah. it. Um, yeah. The other thing is um, you talk about um, change can uh, improve your spiritual transformation. Talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, again, my situation, I mean, I went, I, I say, you know, I turned 50, went through an unexpected divorce. Is that called a midlife crisis, by the way? Well, it's interesting, (laughs) right? You're like, hmm, probably was, you know, but I thought I was supposed to get like the red convertible. I didn't get the red convertible. Uh, I got Went through menopause. You got, okay. Well, I went through menopause instead of the red convertible Um, and was raising two teenage daughters going through puberty. There's a reason you should have your children in your 20s, I believe. Uh, You know, that just doesn't match up, the menopause and puberty. Um... And, you know, I was the, I was, I'm a former Marine Corps sergeant, and I was always the really strong, capable one, and I found myself on my bedroom floor in a heap going, what the hell is happening? Like, it just really affected me. You know, I think we have our triggers. You know, I think there's a lot of things we can do, and sometimes we can be really strong. And then other times, out of left field, I was like, I'm sorry, what's happening? Like, it's, I, I write about how I feel like I have these scabs, and it just ripped off, and I had these exposed wounds that I didn't even realize how in- intense they were. And, um, and I needed answers. I just started seeking out. And as I said before, I was always been very religious, but that wasn't enough because this was, this was personal now, you know, and, and so I started reaching out, uh, to the angels. I've always been a very big angel person. I've went into seminary. I just needed an understanding. I needed support. I needed community. Um, and that had me actually leave my, uh, so a lot of spiritual experiences started happening, you know, life, life, you ask, be careful what you ask for, because, you know, you'll get it, and then I got it in droves, and it was wonderful, but I left my, my career to follow my spiritual path, so I took the proverbial leap, so now I'm 50, unemployed, <laughs> figuring it out in seminary, <laughs> With two kids getting ready to go off to college and going, you know, what the heck's happening? So um, you're not unemployed. You're an entrepreneur. Well, now I'm an entrepreneur. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that that somehow, you know, I needed to pay attention. I knew there was nothing I couldn't. I couldn't do anything else at that point. I just, it really just feel like the universe kind of you know, was waiting, you know, and it gave me little nudges. My father would always call them nudges all along. And then finally they're like, okay, she needs it all at once. Just take her and shake her and turn her upside down because she has to pay attention. So, um, (laughs) so, you know, and it's, I tell the joke, you know, it all happens, you know, in one year when I, and then I turned 50 of all things for a woman, you know, that's just that magic number. But, um, but the good thing is it happened all in one year, I guess, because I think if it stretched out too far, I don't know that I would have, yeah. you know, survived it. But, um, but, um, so my such my uh, change, you know, happened then. But my life and what's happened since then in the path and what has gone on. Like I say, I mean, I'm an ordained interfaith minister. I have a book publishing company. We have a media company. I mean, I've traveled to places I never would have traveled before. I know people and have relationships and in connections and, you know, with people from around the world that I never even knew existed. You know, I was the quintessential 50-something soccer mom who was planning dinner parties, you know, and that was great. I mean, I enjoyed it. But, you know, I mean, life is, 
is so multicolored and multifaceted now. And, and, um, you know, people say, well, would you wish, you know, would you have still done it? And, you know, I think that, I think that, I think that the, the, the thing that I would say to people is, wouldn't it be great if we could just have these really amazing, multifaceted, multicolored lives that we are just living really almost without abandon, um, um, without having to have the rug pulled out from under us and, and everything mm. shook up, you know what I mean? And, and I think yeah. that maybe, you know, through conversations like this and through books like Chaos to Clarity and through just life and people connecting, that more and more people maybe can choose to um, kind of open up, but I opened up to my spirituality. I really took yeah. this really deep dive into, <clears throat> and my, my understanding, my connection, I feel with pretty much all that is just with the universe and life and people is, is so much, um, is so deeper than it yeah. was, you know, before. Um, yeah. There's a chapter in my book that kind of talks about that. It's called, um, wouldn't change a thing for a million dollars, but I wouldn't repeat it for a billion. <laughs> you, know. And you know what? And that's perfect because that's really the the heart of it. I think that's what I've never been able to capture. You know, would I want to relive it? No, but you know, you know, did it all? It's all kind of working out. Yes. So yeah, out. Got Sinatra's yeah. song. You did it your way. Uh, yep. Um, yeah. I, in the last five minutes mm -hmm. or so of the show, I'd like you to um, read us a little blurb from your book so that we can get a flavor and a feeling, okay. and we can just say, "Oh my God, I want, I want that. <laughs> I need that." <laughs> So, uh, I so it's warned you, but uh, I bet you have a favorite passage in there somewhere. Well, so you know what's really great? I'll just say um, the other part five of the book, we have something yeah. that's called um, If I Knew Then What I Know Now, right? And mm -hmm. we asked all the authors because we told them, don't teach, don't preach. Just tell us your stories, right? And if they had teaching right. and preaching, we, we pulled it out. But then we said, you know what? There's a lot of wisdom learned from these experiences so just give us a nugget of your wisdom that you learned you know that can help people navigate change and and move through chaos and to go along with what you just um uh said uh this woman was um had her two children abducted by her former husband. It took a year until she, they were reunited. She's in South Africa. He took them to Portugal. And it was only through, um, no, it was really, it was a very difficult time. And it was only through her kind of coming back to love and forgiveness and forgiving her ex-husband and actually returning to the heart of love as she talks about when things really kind of fell into place and she got her children back. I mean, he slandered her. He 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 told lies about her. I mean, he was horrible. He, he took him out of the country without her, without her um, uh, even knowing about it. And what she said, well, he said, if you knew, you know, if you if I know then what I know now, she said, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't change a thing. I would still have shouted, "Bring it on, universe!" My deepest challenges have brought about the greatest soul blossomings. Surrendering to each moment has forged the ability to see the perceived blessings and all that arises from the heart of compassion and the emptiness of the lower mind. Each step reveals a higher path to love until love is all there is. So, wow. uh, yeah. What Beautiful. else is there to say than that? Mm -hmm. So how can we get a hold of you? How can somebody buy your book? How can they find out more about what you do? 
Yeah. So Sacred Stories Publishing is probably the best and easiest way. And then they could find, I, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to hold no. it up again. Chaos to Clarity, Sacred Stories of Transformational Change. It's actually uh, brand new, just out a couple of weeks and, oh, and you know, hit, hit best. Thank you. It's hit bestseller in a couple of categories because people are really resonating. People pick up the book and they're like, wow, it, there's just a real energy to this. And we say that's the heart of our humanity. You're feeling mm. the heart of our humanity. Um, so sacredstoriespublishing.com and the book is available. Amazon Worldwide, wherever, you know, wherever books uh, books are sold. Wherever books are sold. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Adrian, how do we get a hold of you? And tell oh, us a little Adrian, what you do. A little of what I do. I have a website <laughs> and I have a <laughs> Facebook page with 170,000 people on it who share their stories. I believe stories are very important. And uh, there are groups and people can join the group if they feel they belong to, join several. And uh, I'm, I'm a great believer in stories, storytelling and writing to just mm -hmm. get get your feelings out and share them. Uh, so it's Adrian at thecaregiverspace.org and thecaregiverspace.org is the website and all the social media is attached to that page. You know, it just occurred to me right now for the first time that uh, your followers are a great source of stories for uh, an interview. I, I know 99% of them are too shy to come on the radio, but I bet there might be one <laughs> or two that might be willing to share their story because their story is just so incredible. Why don't you talk to Corey and see if she can talk to some people who uh, would love to be on the show, love to change other people's lives and share their story because as a caregiver, I thought I was all alone. I thought I was the only one who was going through this this crap. And until I went to a caregiver support group, uh, in those days they weren't on the computer because yeah. I'm that old. Uh, <laughs> We uh, we discovered I discovered that um, I wasn't alone and that you were other not alone. Feel just like I did. Uh, I was surrounded by burned out caregivers, and I says, "Well, that must be what I am—a burned out caregiver." And I learned if I didn't right. take care of me, I couldn't take care of my wife. I had to put my oxygen mask on first. And so uh, I, I challenge you and Corey, your administrator, to to see there's a, there's some gold nuggets in there that some of them might feel bold enough or might be able to uh, be convinced to come on the show and uh, do that. So that's all I'm going to say about that, like Forrest Gump would okay. say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Patricia. You have some last words, last nuggets, something you forgot to say? Yeah, you know, I just wanted to say that, Dave, you uh, and Adrian, it sounds like you as well. I mean, you are... Um, you're just like the authors in our book, you know, and I just want to acknowledge and commend you. You know, you, you know, life happens, you're going through a change. It, it's been difficult, but look what you've done with it. You know, look right. at this yeah. beautiful show. Look at all that you're bringing and all the people that you're supporting. You know, that is the heart of our shared humanity. And I just, I just think it's wonderful. And I just, I wish you all the best. And I, and I hope to stay in touch because we have more books coming and it sounds I like so. both. 
both of you have stories stories to yeah. share. No one is more surprised than me, uh, and I'm sure Adrian <laughs> can say that as well. You know, she probably never thought that she'd be doing this, or maybe she did think that she would be doing this, but not during the low mm -hmm. points in time. And uh, we would just um, say to you as well, keep in touch and let us know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And remind me again how how we contacted each other, how we met. You remember? Was it your publicist? Who, who I think did? it was probably through the publicist. Yeah, through the publicist. So you have a publicist. And I'm so glad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So really until yeah. next week, we bid you adieu, and thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise. Like the birds will never sing